0: Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Hey, ladies and gentlemen we have a great opportunity in this podcast because I'm in the process of having conversation with none other than Pastor Kimberly Vaughn. And Kimberly Vaughn is, um, I mean, she's been involved with outdoor ministry things for a long, long time. And so she's a natural to be interviewed on the LOM podcast, but especially at this time, because she has just started, uh, she moved, I uh, started in the ELCA, moving from her position as a, uh, as an a, uh, associate bishop in the New Jersey Synod, and I probably get that title wrong. but Assistant to she, the bishop. Uh, Kimberly is not the Senior Director of the Christian Community and Leadership Mission of the Christian Community and Leadership Home Area of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and you know what? She's sitting here right now. I don't even know if I got the titles right. All of this is new because of so much transition that's been taking place in ELCA churchwide staff and the way all the units and everything are become home areas and this type of thing. Kimberly, did I get that right? It was very good. It was very close. As I was listening,
1: I can't help but laugh because i I think of the Flintstones and Fred Flint Fred and Barney being members of the, the Grand Pooh Club and the long names and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> like we don't well, have funny hats or handshakes, but yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, a lot of people listening to this podcast, they um are going to um, know that Mark Burkhart just retired. And Mark Burkhart was the um, the director of the faith formation team of the domestic mission unit of ELCA. And uh, as I understand it, in some ways, you're filling a seat on churchwide staff that's similar to the seat that Mark Burkhart Filled, but perhaps not totally apples to apples and oranges to oranges. So that, That's um,
1: absolutely correct, yes.
0: So um, w- what would be uh, some of the differences that we can expect in terms of what you do in your position as opposed to what Mark did in his position?
1: Most of what Mark did did get passed down to me. Uh, I, I tried to tell someone recently, I'm not the new Mark Burkhardt. I'm Kimberly. But so I did get a lot of the stuff he did. Um, some things that are new in Christian Community and Leadership Mission uh, team are the disability ministries and deaf ministry are part of my team now. Also, I'm, maybe someone's heard of Mission Builders. Really? Which has been around for quite some time. Um, these are usually retirees who go around and help with camps or churches with relatively manageable size builds. Mission Builders is now part of this CCLM team as an opportunity for discipleship. So basically, it's all the children's, youth, young adult ministries, campus ministries, outdoor, all of these things that talk about and touch on discipleship. So that includes. In, uh, total inclusion as well. So we're talking about inclusive ministries and total inclusion, deaf ministries um, and disability ministries are now included in that as well. So it's a pretty big team, big umbrella.
0: Yes, yeah. for sure. And, and you know, um, I have jokingly said to you in prior conversations and uh, to a few others that uh, my observation that the Director, uh, the the executive director of the Christian community and leader leadership home area is Phil Hirsch, right. and that Phil Hirsch uh, went to the ELCA from New Jersey, and Mike um, burkhart was the director of the faith formation team. And he went to the ELCA churchwide from New Jersey, which is, uh, he, he he was the executive director of Camp Eisler, which was the predecessor camp to what we now know as Crossroads Camp in New Jersey. And now you are the um, senior director of the Christian community and leadership mission, and you're from New Jersey. And Do you have to be from New Jersey to get a position at ELCA Churchwide? (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) But we are trying to bring some East Coast attitude to the Midwest and to the rest of the ELCA. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) I can vote for that. Absolutely. (laughs) So now, um, your position prior to going to ELCA Churchwide was with the New Jersey Synod. And I know that you're right. very familiar with Crossroads Camp and um, uh, that, of course, is uh, an LOM, one of our 89 LOM organizations and very involved with LOM. What, what, what were you doing in the New Jersey Senate? What, what was your position and what, you, what kinds of ministries were you involved in there in, in New Jersey?
1: Thank you. I was assistant to the bishop for the New Jersey Senate for five years. When I began, my position was more specialized, focusing primarily on multicultural ministries and discipleship and witness, and also liaison, being a liaison to our Senate's um, anti-racism team. Since then, I've become what the bishop says, more of a generalist. I cover all areas, uh, whatever is necessary, what's needed. So Um, call processes with congregations, mediating sometimes conflict, being a consultant when congregations needed something, some assistance on anything very specific, uh, particular. I did a lot of hospitality training with congregations, which was absolutely fun. And we also, I created an active bystander training for members of our congregation to participate in, um, and that's actually exploded and popularity started that in 2017 and it is still going on. Um, So those are the main things I did Um, and all other duties, the Bishop assigned that's in invisible ink on my letter of call. (laughs) (laughs) Got to preach on visiting congregations, did a lot of visiting and preaching. So I, that was fun too.
0: And (laughs) so many of our camps and employment agreement will say, and. And other responsibilities as assigned. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, of course, in New Jersey Senate, you, you were involved quite a bit with, um, with Crossroads Camp. Along the way of your church career and even before, are there other LOM camps that you've been involved with over the years? Uh, I did not get an opportunity. I was
1: in Southwest Texas for just a year. And I know that our confirmation youth and others often went to um, Camp Chrysalis there. I didn't get a chance to participate in that. But when I was in Ohio, um, growing up in Ohio, not in my childhood or youth, but I worked for Lutheran Outdoor Ministries in Ohio for a number of years. I served at uh, Camp Frederick
0: which oh,
1: is yeah. no longer part of, L- of LOMO, but a big part of my my formative years. And I worked at Lutheran Memorial Camp in central Ohio. Okay. And, um, you know, I think when I was, uh, my first call as a pastor was in Michigan and we are, our, our congregation supported very strongly um, Living Water Ministries in Michigan that uh, CJ Clark is now the head of
0: there. Yeah. Um,
1: Got to know CJ and Dan Smith when he was
0: there as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. How about that? Well, certainly some good connections with some really vibrant ministries. And um, that, I'm sure, will be very valuable to you as you continue on with, um, with your role in the uh, churchwide Staff of ELCA. I think it will mean that in many ways he'll speak the language of outdoor ministry people. And uh, we look forward to your involvement. And like I've said to you before, we really hope that you can be with us at our LOM uh, conference this November. And Uh,
1: I would love to, as long as you don't invite Delta.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, the Delta. Variant you mean, (laughs) Uh, usually everybody's invited, but um, yeah, Delta will not be invited. And let's hope that we can, um, uh, let's hope that we'll be able to put the right protocols in place in order to be able to have that as everybody's yearning to get together. The thing that in my mind made this particular podcast, uh, very timer, is the fact that you were coming on to a position at churchwide, which relates to outdoor ministry, perhaps more than any other position at churchwide. And we are just looking forward to any opportunity that we can for you to get introduced to the network of ministry leaders in LOM. So we're we're looking forward to that. And the other thing is that um, you are a person of color and Lutheran Outdoor Ministries is very much involved um, right now and moving forward in the initiative known as Total Inclusion. And um, and total inclusion is aimed at helping all of our camps, ELCA-affiliated camp, uh, to become better and and uh, better at welcome and inclusion, and aware of roadblocks to welcome and inclusion for people who are often marginalized, particularly persons of color persons who identify as LGBTQ, and persons who live with disabilities. And you come to your position in the ELCA, an African-American woman filling a very important position in the ELCA. This gives me an opportunity to talk with you about some things that might be helpful to outdoor ministry leaders in understanding how we can make the welcome and inclusion better and more authentic and and, um, all of that kind of thing. How's that sound?
1: Sounds like it's a big job, but you're right. Yes, Um,
0: sounds good. (laughs) It is a big job um, because um, as we all know, we as Lutherans, have been such a, uh, uh, in the USA, have been such a ethnic church that uh, typically Northern European, at least here in the United States. So we as outdoor ministry people need, need some work with that. And that's why the Total Inclusion Initiative is so important to us. But um, let me ask you, Kimberly, can you um, point out experiences um, that you have had in the elCA uh, where you have felt particularly um, as a woman of color uh, particularly um, uh, welcomed and involved and uh, where there's been good equity for all people and um, I guess the flip side of that coin have have there been experiences where you have, felt like you've been marginalized and uh, where there have been barriers to your full involvement in ELCA as a woman who is a person of color.
1: Sometimes I wake up and wonder, I can't believe I'm still in the ELCA because when I think about nearly every encounter with racism that I can recall since 18 or so, it has been within the ELCA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In some form or other, some aspect of the ELCA. It has been the church that has committed acts of racism against me, um, whether that's racial harassment, racial discrimination, just playing out racism, racist comments or sta- statements or things like that. I want to start with the, the, the good things, though. When I was invited to interview with Bishop Tracy Bartholomew in New Jersey, I was still in Texas and looking for a change because it was not a life-giving experience there for me when it comes to race or gender. some, Some places are just difficult. But when Bishop Bartholomew described the position that she wanted me to interview, I felt like it was written for me. I felt like this has been me all along. It touches on all the things I'm passionate about. And the first time a call that I felt allowed me to be my full self, being Black, being female, being passionate about justice, about preaching justice and welcome and love for all people and being an advocate for all people. I couldn't believe that in New Jersey, I would get to do that stuff. I was like, that's allowed? We can do that? Um, And I'm not going to get fussed at or quiet. No, Um, that has been my experience my. Five years in New Jersey Senate. When I first met Anthony years ago um, at a, um, a youth event, but then meeting him again at Crossroads and meeting his staff and listening to them, he has done such an incredible job of creating a diverse group of camp staff and training and teaching them to be affirming and welcoming and inclusive and, and justice oriented. Um, and holding them accountable to those things. He's a good teacher and a good mentor for that. Um, the staff at Crossroads is absolutely incredible. And I mentioned C.J. Clark in Michigan. He has done the same thing at Living, with Living Waters and, and, and there he incorporated anti-racism training into the leadership training for high school youth. I'd never heard of that before. And they were committed to that work in Living Water Ministries with the support of the bishops in the area. Um, It was it was an unexpected surprise to find these outdoor ministry settings that allowed me and other people to feel like we could be our full selves. Some congregations as well. My first call in Detroit was a congregation that was like that to us, free to be who God called me to be. The negative experiences, my first interview with a congregation to do youth ministry with three congregations in a Youngstown, Ohio area. And one of the pastors left the meeting and came back and told the others he was pulling his church out of it because they were not ready for colored people. This was in the 1990s. Mm. In the 1990s. Mm. That this pastor decided that they were they were not ready to have black people in his church. just that, and that, you know, I look back and I'm like, could I have sued that man for this? because that was job discrimination. But I was young, and I didn't know what my recourse was. Mm. Um, I've had parents at camp. I was a program director at Camp Frederick. I've had parents yell at me because they assumed I was to blame if they If they perceived that their child experienced racism on at camp, I would say none of our kids ever stated anything like that. The kids, by the end of the week, were saying they had a fantastic time. but there was one experience of, of a mother who screamed and spat in my face because no one told her that her daughter was going to be a racial minority at camp for the week with Black children present. Her daughter had a wonderful week, but that mother couldn't see that that her daughter was happy. She Mm -hmm. saw it as, you know, I did something sinister to her. And having to stand there and take it and be polite and gracious while this woman just screamed and spit racist things at me, just as maybe some ways more hurtful than... The job interview with the pastor said no black people were welcome yet in his church. But being on camp and feeling like a parent was allowed to scream racist things at me and feel like I wasn't defended or supported. Sometimes when I would you know, leave camp at night or need to go run errands, I couldn't seem to convey how unsafe it felt for me at night in a rural setting as a black woman, a young black woman driving alone, that it was scary. There are parts uh, and there are sometimes around our camps, areas that are very rural, very conservative, very dangerous. When you if you are black and it's after dark, I had to just swallow that fear many times because um, it felt like it wasn't her thing, and trying to get people to understand. You, the camp may be a wonderful place. The setting is great. Everyone has a great time, but it is a, it is it, it's very scary for a non-white person to leave or to arrive at your camp after dark because of the setting that it's in, the surroundings that are outside of your camp. And you know, you have created a warm and welcoming environment, but your community outside is not that. And I have decided in some places I would not go for my own safety. Um, I'd miss a fun event because I worried about my own safety. So those are just some of the
0: things. Uh, say uh, just say you're thinking about an LOM camp. Uh located in the middle of East Podunk someplace. The LOM camp h- has developed a culture and an atmosphere similar to what you experienced at Crossroads camp. Right. But the, the surrounding community is um not so friendly. Right, exactly. Is there any advice you can give to outdoor ministry leaders about what to do about that in order to um, make it possible for you to be involved in their residential program on site? It it seems like there's, there's something that's out of the control of right. the camp management, and yeah. and yet maybe we're missing something. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would I would really strongly encourage camp directors and staff to not dismiss that, to not downplay when a person of color um, says, "I like your camp, but the surroundings are scary." Pay attention to that. Do not. Do not belittle that statement or that person because it makes them feel like it's not heard or or they're making a big deal out of things. We have seen too many incidents across the United States of racial violence escalating over the last few years. Mm -hmm. There's real reason to be afraid. There's a real reason to be afraid. And we need our camp directors to pay better attention to that. Maybe talk to their staff with um, who may need to leave camp at night for a reason. Have some have them set up some kind of buddy system or check in or call in to make sure Mm. that they're that they're not alone or Mm. if they feel unsafe, who can they who's going to be um, available to call or to contact and pay attention help them learn about, you know, we're talking about young people. They get together. They're having fun. They're laughing and joking. What to do if they're pulled over when they're off site? If they're camp staff and they're young and they're not white, have a plan in place. What will they do if they're pulled over by police in a rural setting? And be prepared to look out for your young adult staff. Um, That's something. In that way, I think primarily of staff. And if there's a sense that the staff feels safe, that will spread. That feeling of safety will spread to guests.
0: I, I find that to be really, really helpful. I was a camp director for 35 years, and I i uh, must admit, I don't think that I was in any way proactive in providing uh, a, a heightened sense of security for persons of color who might, you know, young adults working at a camp and that type of thing. Right. i I find that to be, Really, really helpful, and I think the natural inclination of say, a camp director is to say, oh, that would never happen around here that that would never happen mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. sure,
1: yeah, oh, that would never happen here and, we know our neighbors
0: yeah, and yeah we we hope it would never happen, but we can't assume that, and it it seems to me what you're saying is. We as camp directors have to be proactive in, I mean, we are proactive when, when we think about the international, the ELCA international staff program, we're proactive about um, um, setting up things that will make them feel comfortable in our camps. They're not asking us to do it or telling us to do it. But we're doing it because we know that it's important. So um, I I think just that piece of advice right there is so, so helpful.
1: And Uh, and as I told you before, one of my areas of, of passion is hospitality. If we... Extend hospitality to camp staff or international camp staff. Why can we not extend that same kind of hospitality to staff and guests, our non-white staff and guests and Mm -hmm. and, and LGBTQIA and those who are differently abled? It's hospitality. Mm -hmm. Thinking of the other first.
0: Sure, yeah. In attention to the other, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, certainly events in the last several months have uh, highly publicized events have demonstrated that um, we can't take the safety and security of all persons um, for granted. Absolutely. uh, Wow. Hey, that one suggestion is worth, uh, it's certainly worth the price of admission for this podcast. But, um, well, I think
1: it also will rebuild and strengthen trust with yeah. people in our outdoor ministry settings and and, and 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 leaders. It's like, okay, I you really care about me. You care about my safety. You care about my concerns, and they they begin to trust you more. They trust and they want to come. You
0: know. Okay, that's suggestion number one. What's suggestion number two?
1: <laughs> that's a lot. Um, I would say have something that's part of a staff training that trains the staff. So they know every year, whether they're brand new or returning, that these are the things we commit to, make them values that we will commit to. We will hold these, we will prize these. Just as we prize those songs that we can't change the lyrics or the hand motions to, that we can't change for 40 years (laughs) because it will upset everybody. Make those things as valuable, too, as the traditions and the inside stories and jokes to say we will protect and support everyone who comes here. Make it a, a, a statement. I don't know whether the camp board or the camp staff, when they come on beginning, when they do staff trainings. And this is what we will do here. These are the things we will not do here and make that very plain. I think one of the things Uh, And and this is the more difficult challenge. Um, We can train our staff. We can introduce it to our campers. We can introduce these ideas to our boards. The hardest change I think comes from congregation members who support the camp, who are not on board with these kind of things and don't want to hear it. They love coming to the camp year after year. But don't talk these things. Don't talk about race or class or justice issues. They, and I, I don't know how we reach that group. The congregations and the individuals in the congregations who care for our camps and want their, you want, want, want their families to experience an outdoor setting experience, but they don't want this transformation of the heart to happen for them. Don't talk about that stuff to them. You know how it's perceived. As you're just talking politics now, you're bringing politics into these things rather than rather than seeing it as the radical hospitality and love of Jesus.
0: I'm, um, in a sense, comforted by you saying, "You just don't know how you reach right those those kind of um, prejudices. How people who have those kind of prejudices." because um and i think that one of the things that a lot of outdoor ministry professionals feel is oh, we've been trying to reach i you know we've been trying to to do this for for so long and it's getting so tiring and uh, yeah. this kind of thing yeah. but i'm thinking That when we intentionally come together and support each other and remind each other of our common core values and our resolve to be uh, disciples of Christ who want to present a witness of Christ's love and grace and forgiveness to the world, chances are magnified that we'll be able to um, make some progress that we Maybe they've not previously been able to make. Let me and we
1: keep telling the stories, keep telling the stories about how that love of Christ has changed lives in the outdoor ministry experience and let the story speak. Um, let the kids go run home and with excitement and say how much fun they had.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know we just have a few minutes left, but let me ask you, ask you this. Well, first of all, this same. I think what you talk about in terms of feeling roadblocks to your own total inclusion in the ELCA, many people who are not persons of color have felt that. And so we can identify, we can identify with that, but at the same time we don't feel it to the intensity and to the same degree that persons of color feel it. And so yeah. I sit here scratching my head sometimes saying, um, why does Kimberly Vaughn continue to be involved in, in this um, endeavor? Why Kimberly, am I going, still here? Why are you going <laughs> to work every day? Yeah.
1: I don't know, because I need to eat. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, for me... I thank God for my campus pastor years ago when I was really struggling with meeting white Lutheran students for the very first time. I grew up in a black Lutheran congregation Mm -hmm. and students saying, well, you know, how did you become a Lutheran? Tell me how you became a Lutheran. What they were trying to do. They were checking. They're trying to check my papers. They wanted to see my passport. But my campus pastor taught me about the radical love of Jesus that it is an exciting thing, the good news that we are saved by faith through grace, apart from works of the law, that we are a priesthood of all believers, and that the Bible is our norm and our source of all things. And that our ethnicity, whether or not we like jello, which I don't, has nothing to do with spreading the gospel of Jesus. And I lean on that. That's what excites me. I think we have an incredible message. We just don't know how to tell it. We have a wonderful message, and we just forgot how to tell it. It's wrapped in jello and ludafisk.
0: <laughs> one of one of my best uh, memories as a Lutheran was in the days when I was uh, providing leadership for Project Connect with the three Eastern Seminaries, and I visited a black Lutheran congregation in Atlanta on a Sunday morning. And the pastor told me after I left that one of the little girls came up to him in that congregation and said, hey, I never knew that there were white people who are Lutherans.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like you said, I didn't know until college. I had no Uh, idea. (laughs) I did not know. I grew up in a very comfortable Safe world of Lutherans, and I did not know that I was not supposed to be Lutheran until college. <laughs> oh, how yeah. stupid of me not to know! Yeah. Uh, I said, "I said, you know what? You left the back door open. If you didn't want me in, you should have locked it."
0: Um, uh, <laughs> um, Kimberly, um, you have to get, get, get moving. I do. I've got your, to go. <laughs> I want to say thank you for this. I can't wait to introduce you at the uh, conference, uh, the LOM conference in November. I can't wait for our outdoor ministry leaders to get to know you. And uh, we give thanks to God for your leadership and for your honesty and forthrightness. And um, we look forward to learning from you as we continue to move on in this partnership together. I Thank do you so too, much.
1: Thank yeah. you for the invitation.
0: Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.